situation that's happening in Ukraine right now. Um, whether if you're, maybe you're not aware, there's um, some war and some tension going on over there. And we want to pray right now for peace um, and for safety for, for the people there. So just join with me for a moment. Lord, we come before you um, as the body of Christ, and we lift up the situation that's happening um, in Ukraine right now. And we pray for peace um, in a very, very difficult situation. Um, we pray for your protection, um, especially upon the innocent, Lord, upon the young children or, or for the elderly or for any who might be in an especially um, precarious situation. We pray your hand of protection upon them. And we also pray your blessing um, upon all the leaders who are working to resolve the situation. Um, we pray your blessing on all the churches in that area uh, who are loving and caring and protecting the, the people there. Uh, we ask for your will to be done and to be done swiftly. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Uh, my name is Ben Schultz. I'm here on staff at our church. Um, I am not one of the pastors, but uh, I've been asked to speak with you this morning. Uh, if I haven't, so I want to introduce myself. If I haven't met you yet, I'm Ben. Um, but I also want to introduce you to somebody else. This is my good friend, Nicole Yo. If you haven't met Nicole yet, um, <coughs> Nicole's awesome. Nicole and I uh, have worked together for several years, six years actually, I, I checked. Six years we've been working together at Camp Judah, which is a summer camp that we do um, in the summer, our church puts on. And uh, I often direct the younger kid, the junior camp, and she serves as an assistant director at that camp. So I've got to tell you something. In the first couple of years, when Nicole first started serving as an assistant director with me at camp, there were some difficulties. There were some tense moments in those first couple of years. Um, as a leader, I love big ideas, and sometimes I don't get too worried with the details about how those big ideas are going to work out. Nicole is wired a little differently. She has an eye for details and the practical side of those things. So I'd have these big plans of these big events. We're going to do these awesome things. And then she'd start asking all of these different questions, like, where are we going to get that many rubber duckies? Or who's going to pick up all the hot dogs? Or is this really safe for eight-year-olds? You know, annoying things like that. <laughs> and um, I found, honestly, I got a little bit frustrated at times. Like, I feel like she's trying to destroy all my good ideas. I feel like she's working against me. Um, and the more frustrated I got, the more annoyed I was at everything she was doing. See, this is the thing, is once you're annoyed at somebody, you only see their faults. Can anybody attest to that? Once you're annoyed at someone, it's amazing how, once you're annoyed, it's amazing how you can turn everything into making them the bad guy. You know, they're like, be like, good morning, I brought you a donut. And you'd be like, yeah, you would, sure. I know I sound crazy, but you know what I'm talking about. Once you, once you get annoyed at somebody, it taints everything you see about them. And so I was feeling especially frustrated with, with Nicole and just in that place of just being annoyed at everything. And in fact, I remember I told her this. This is not news to her. I told her that there was one time, like as near the end of the week, I was just like, I got to find a new assistant director. I can't do this anymore. I can't work with Nicole anymore like this. Um, and I was like, that's it. Next year, I've got to find somebody else. Um, and... Um, Fortunately, uh, nobody else volunteered. So <laughs> the following year, I was stuck with Nicole again. But no, what we did the, the following year, the story has a good ending. So the following year, what we did, um, before we got into like, the planning, or as we got into the planning, 
we did some personality testing, which if you're not familiar with, we talked about like introvert, extrovert, detail-oriented, big vision-oriented, some stuff like that. And we started to figure out what our gifts were, what our strengths were, what our weaknesses were. And you know what I came to find out? Nicole and I have almost the exact opposite uh, personality profile. But that's not a bad thing. It's actually a really good thing. That's what I learned that year, is that um, Nicole's attention to detail and her eye for logistics is an incredibly valuable asset. It was an incredibly important part of the team. It was something that I needed in my leadership, was having people like that. And so I started to realize that when she has questions, like, how are you going to do that? And is that going to work? And, or whatever, like, those questions, she's not trying to sabotage my idea. She's trying to make it happen. And that is super important. When I shifted my perspective, I began to appreciate her personality. When I shifted away from being annoyed and began to value the things, then I began to really, really appreciate uh, what she brought. And it's funny that there was a time when I was like trying to get out of working with Nicole. And now, um, this is true, now like if I have something I'm working on, a project or something like that, she's one of the first people that I want. She's a part of our youth ministry team now um, and a lot of other things. And I'm always super appreciative to have her part of a team because I know the personality and the gifts that she brings. So I'm not telling you this story just so you know how difficult Nicole can be. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you this story because I want you to see how important it is to have the right filter in your relationships. So you're seeing the right things in your relationships. So a few weeks ago, Pastor John introduced us to the RAS. If you guys were here, um, you probably heard this, this series of messages about the RAS, which is your mindset or your filter. It helps you see what to focus on. And it filters everything we see in the world. And then a RAS tells our thinker what to think about. And then what our thinker thinks about, our prover, the other part of our brain, finds a way to prove and to make true and just sort of reinforces what we find ourselves seeing. And it's a cycle. Uh, and then after that, Nick spoke, and he talked about the lies that we often believe, and he challenged us to confront those lies with the truth. So I don't know about you guys, but I found these, these series of teachings to be incredibly insightful, incredibly helpful to me. And I realized how easy it is to get stuck in like negative thinking about a situation, or negative thinking about a person, or negative thinking about myself. And once you get stuck in that place, you always find proof that you're right. Once you start thinking like, this is bad, this person's bad, this is wrong, you find a way to prove it, right? So I think we can all agree, having heard those, those teachings, that it's better to have a positive filter for our personal relationships. And as I was thinking about it, I kept coming back to this sort of the same question. I'm, I'm hoping some of you have had the same question. It was like, okay, how? How do we reset our filters? How do we readjust our mindsets about ourselves and about uh, people around us? How do we readjust our filter for the relationships? And as, as I was preparing, as I was working on this, I really felt like the Lord was challenging us um, about family relationships, that he wants to adjust our mindsets about our family relationships. Some of us have fallen into a rut about having a negative mindset about our family relationships, whether it's a spouse or a child or a sibling or a parent, um, and feeling like it's difficult, it's not, it's not going to get better, this is a tense relationship, um, and we might need to reset some of the, the filters that we have. So 
That's what I want to talk to you about today. When you're annoyed, you only see the faults. And when you only see the faults, you get more annoyed. And this is a cycle that keeps going and going. So how do we break that cycle? How do we get out of that cycle? Um, my solution that I came to is based on a very, very simple biblical truth, which is that you reap what you sow. You get more of what you invest. You get out what you put in. So if you're not appreciating, you're not enjoying your relationships, I'm going to ask you, what are you putting into those relationships? What are you investing into those relationships? Um, if you don't like what you find yourself thinking about somebody, what do you, then I would ask you, what are you focusing on? If you don't like what you're getting out of it, what are you putting in? So my main point today is super simple. Find something good to focus on. We're going to talk about some different family relationships, some different ways to do this, but this is really the heart of what I have to say is find something good to focus on. So I'm going to look at a passage in the Bible um, that I think can be really helpful. This is Philippians, which is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote um, to the church at Philippi, uh, one of the churches that he uh, helped start, and then a couple of years later, he wrote them a, tr a letter to encourage them. So we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4. So the, the, the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, this is by far the most positive, most upbeat of all of the letters that Paul wrote. It's like filled with joy and encouragement. But what's crazy <laughs> is that Paul wrote this letter while in prison, in a Roman prison. So if Paul, in a first century Roman prison, can find something good, then I have no doubt that you can also find something good in your life and in your family. No one's family is as bad as a Roman prison, okay? So let's take a look at Paul's lesson here, finding joy in a situation, and apply that to ourselves. So I'm looking at Romans chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 4 of that chapter. Paul is sort of wrapping up the letter. This is near the end of the letter. He wraps it up um, with some final words of encouragement there. Starting in verse 4 of Romans chapter 4, we have this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything excellent, anything praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I'll take a quick moment to pray. Lord, we thank you for these words of teaching and encouragement to us, and I'm asking you right now to come and apply the truth of this word into our hearts and into our lives. I pray that you would speak through this inspired scripture into the places where we need it. And we receive what you have to say. Amen. So I want to take a quick, uh, closer look at these verses and talk about ways that we can reset the filters in our relationship. So what's the first instruction that Paul gives us? Rejoice. 
That's the first thing he says. Rejoice. Find some joy. Man, think about that. That's our first instruction is enjoy. That's pretty easy. I mean, that's a pretty good job description, right? One author I found writing on this verse said that it is the duty of Christians to find joy in God in every situation. And you know what? That's not too bad of a chore, right? So my job is to find some joy in the situation. All right, I can do that. Now, of course, it's easier said than done sometimes, right? Uh, It's easy to say that. But when something's bothering you, when something's annoying you, when something's frustrating you, when something is worrying you, that steals your focus. And it can be hard to find joy. It can be hard to rejoice when you're faced with whatever difficult situation it might be. Um, In this case, I want to talk about family relationships. So if you live at home with a family, with your parents, with your siblings, with your spouse, you know it can be easy to see the problems and not find joy, right? Don't point at your spouse right now, but you know what I'm talking about, okay? So the first thing we need to deal with, I believe, is we need to address some of those problems that we're facing. So let's look at what Paul suggests uh, in verse 6, I believe it is. In verse 6, he says, don't be anxious about anything. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So that's Paul's solution. He says, present your requests, present your problems, present your concerns to God. And if you do that, what happens? The peace of God, which goes beyond your understanding, you can't always make sense of it, but that peace will guard your heart and it will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. So the first step I'm proposing that Paul writes is to trade your problems for God's peace. Trade your problems for God's peace. And that could be, I'm annoyed at my spouse. It could be, I'm worried about my children. It could be, I'm frustrated at my parents. But take those problems and trade them for God's peace. If there's something that's bugging you, tell them about it. If there's something that's worrying you, that's irritating you, tell them about it. Because let me tell you, trust me, he can handle your brutal honesty. You know, if you tell him that you don't like somebody that he put in your life, trust me, he's going to be okay. He can handle that. Um, And now if you look closely at this verse, you'll notice there's no promise here that your situation will improve. He doesn't say, tell me your problems and I'll fix them like that. But there is a promise in here, and we've got to notice that. There's a promise of peace in every situation. There's a promise of a peace that will guard your hearts. I believe there is a promise for a peace that will guard your filters from focusing on negative things. If you will turn your worries and your complaints to God, he will guard your hearts. The enemy wants to disrupt our relationships. He wants to disrupt our families. The enemy is a liar, but hear me say this. He is a liar, but rarely does he make things up. Because the enemy knows the most destructive lies are based on the truth. So he takes the truth and he twists it just enough to make it destructive for you. So let's imagine in your house, um, let's talk about chores. That's a really easy place to get upset with somebody else in your family. So this is purely hypothetical. But let's say, uh, you know, any um, 
any similarity to actual events is coincidental. But let's say in your family, it's your job, you make dinner every night. And then somebody else in your family, it's their job to wash the dishes after dinner. That sounds like a fair, right? Whether that's a spouse or a child or whatever. So let's imagine that one night you make dinner. It's delicious, of course. Um, and then afterwards, the person whose job it is to clean up the dishes, um, they disappear on you. You're not sure where they went. Um, they're gone. Can't find them. They're in the room, maybe. Next thing you know, it's time for bed, and they're fast asleep. And now you have to stay up late and wash the dishes. That's totally unfair, right? And so as you're washing, you start complaining, and you think, this person is so lazy. This person is so rude. They don't care about me at all. They don't appreciate me at all. They think I'm their servant, and I just live here to serve them. See, what just happened there is there is a truth. They didn't do what they were responsible to do, and you got stuck doing it. That is true. Then you begin to think that they don't care about you and they don't appreciate you, which is the lie. So the enemy takes the, tr the truth, twists it just enough. Because if he just told you an outright lie, that, like that person is poisoning you and trying to murder you, you wouldn't believe it because that's just a, a bold-faced lie and there's no truth in it at all. But when he takes a little bit of the truth and twists it, then it becomes much easier for us to go, yeah, that does seem right. And that might not actually be the truth. Maybe they are sick and that's why they went to bed. Maybe, you know, you don't know what else might have been happening. Maybe they totally forgot. So you jump to some conclusions about what they were thinking or how they feel, but it, it might be the enemy putting a lie in your head. Now here's the thing I want you to notice about this verse, is that when we turn those concerns over to God, the enemy loses his power. We, we have these thoughts in our mind, these negative thoughts about people and situations. But when we turn those over to God, we say, hey, I'm frustrated about this, and please help me you know, know what to do about this. The enemy loses his power to twist those into lies. When you give up feeling worried or annoyed or upset, God's peace will guard your mind against that negative thinking. But here's the thing. Hear me say this. The peace of God will not guard you against worries that you don't surrender to him. This, this is a great promise that he will guard our hearts and our minds, but he will not guard your hearts and your mind if you don't turn those things over to him, if you don't uh, bring them to him and lay them down before him. If we live with humans, if you live with humans, there's always going to be things to worry about, problems to get mad about, messes to clean up. But we don't want those problems to dictate the tone of our family relationships. You know what I mean? If you are waiting until everybody in your family is doing the right thing to have a good family, you're going to have, a, it's never going to be happy. You know what I mean? So we have to find a way uh, to have a, uh, the family relationships that we want, even when there are problems to deal with. I remember when I was in high school, I played on the JV soccer team. Um, if I remember correctly, we were pretty good. Um, not to say that I was good, but the, the team was pretty good. We were, I think we were undefeated. Uh, I mean, we were undefeated. We had a winning record, though. We did really well that year. However, our coach was never happy. In fact, I distinctly remember winning a soccer game. At the end of the game, him calling us over and just berating us about all of our sloppy playing. And he was probably right. We probably did need to improve some of our playing. But by only focusing on what was wrong, he created a very negative culture on our soccer team where all the players began to criticize each other, um, complain about each other, quick to get angry with each other for, for failing to do what they needed to do. 
because he was so focused on like, yeah, we won, but this was wrong and that was wrong. And that's what happens when you focus too much on the negative. And that is not what we want our families to be like. Am I right? That's not what we want our families to be like. So let's find some good things to focus on. So here's my advice. Pray more than you complain about your family. Every time a thought comes up like, ooh, I'm annoyed about that, before you talk to somebody else about it, before you even begin to think about it yourself, turn it into a prayer. Be honest, God, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm super annoyed at that, or I'm worried about this. Please help me. Pray about it more than you complain about it. So now that we've dealt with some of those, those concerns, some of those frustrations, some of those worries, uh, we got some of that stuff out of the way, let's see what Paul says next. He says in verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. So the next step is find something good. Find something good in your family. Um, Pastor John pointed out that it's human nature for your prover to prove what your thinker thinks. But Paul is suggesting that you tell your thinker what to think. Tell your thinker what to think. Tell your thinker, your brain, what to focus on, what to notice. And he says, find something good. I can almost hear it in, in Paul's tone. He's just like, anything, find something good about this person, something true or, or something right. Or maybe they're wrong, but at least their intentions are good. Or maybe their intentions are bad, but at least they're trying or, you know, find something to appreciate uh, about that person. And, you know, I don't know why this is, but it seems that it's so much easier to notice people's flaws than it is to appreciate their strengths. Isn't that true? It's supposed to be human nature. Um, but that's, that's just the way it seems to be. So we need to train ourselves to look for the good. Does anybody else have a pom-pom jar in their house? We have, uh, we have three children, and we have three pom-pom jars. They're, and they're little jars full of these little, like, colorful puff balls. And the pom-pom jars, each, one, each child has their own, and the puff jar has to be full to the top um, for them to have screen time to play video games or watch TV or whatever. And if they have negative attitudes, bad attitudes, they complain or, or fight or whatever, and we take pom-poms out. And if they have good attitudes, they're helpful or pleasant, then we put pom-poms back in. The problem is, and if you ask them, I'm sure they will tell you this is true, the problem is, is that it's so much easier for us to notice the bad attitudes and take pom-poms out than it is for us to notice when they've done something nice or they've been pleasant or they've been helpful. Lucy's nodding at me right now. It's true. And we, we always notice when they're, when they're causing trouble. We always notice when they're being difficult. We always notice when they're being disrespectful. We don't always notice when they're being kind and helpful. And, and, I, and my wife and I have talked about this, and we always say we're sorry that we, we overlook the good things. We've got to get better about noticing when they have good attitudes and put more pom-poms in there. But the same thing is true of, of the rest of our family. Um, think about your spouse uh, or your children or your, or your parents. How many times have you been noticing the negative things? Noticing like, oh yeah, that bothers me. And how often do you able to say, you know what? There is a few good things I've been overlooking. We got to train ourselves to look for the good things. We'll be honest, there are some people that make the good things harder to find. Sometimes you have to dig a little deeper uh, to find the good things in people, right? 
Um, but you know what they say, the, digger, the deeper you have to dig, the more valuable the treasure. And so it's worth it. Okay, I know someone in this room is thinking, yeah, 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 but what if I can't find a single good thing about a person? I know somebody was thinking it. What if I can't, <laughs> what if I can't find a single good thing? I'm going to teach you a really, really simple prayer. Holy Spirit, help me see the good. Holy Spirit, help me see the good. This is a really useful prayer because the Holy Spirit sees things that we don't see. He knows things that we don't know about people and about situations. And you can say about your family, Holy Spirit, help me see the good about my family. Holy Spirit, help me see the good in my spouse. Holy Spirit, help me see something good in my children. Help me see something good in this difficult season that I'm in. Help me see something good in my coworkers who I can't get along with. I'm challenging you right now. If you're stuck in a rut, use this prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you something good where you, you can't see it yourself. I'm reminded of a story that Pastor John shared with, the, shared with us, um, uh, I think it was a, in January. He, showed, he shared the story about a man who was really angry with his father. But on Father's Day, he felt like the Lord challenged him to, uh, to think of something good about his dad, to appreciate his dad for it. And, and he couldn't. He spent several hours, I believe, in the story, trying to think of some, something good about his, his father. And he's like, I can't think of anything good about my father. There's nothing good about him. My whole life, he's been terrible to me. Couldn't think of anything. And after hours of just like sitting there, coming up with nothing, just thinking about it, asking God for help, he finally remembered one story. Um, it was a story about a baseball game, if I remember right. And, and when that story came back to him, he was like, okay, I guess, I guess that was one, one good thing my dad did was about that baseball game. Um, and once that happened, once he found that one good thing to remember, then he remembered another thing and another and another because once you, once you start doing it, it gets easier. Once you start noticing good in people, it gets easier and easier. So this is my advice to you, is to start a good list. It's kind of like Santa's list, but without the whole naughty thing. But seriously, though, like make a list of all the people in your family and write down some good things about each one of them, something you appreciate about each one of them. And I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, I was, I was working on this, this message. I had these notes, and I, and I got that. I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. Everybody should do that. And then I was like, you know what? I can't tell everyone to do that if I don't do it. So I like... Stop this, get out a notebook, write, I wrote down the name of every person in my family, and then I wrote down at least, well, at least two things about each one that's really, really good. So I challenge you to do that. Um, don't do it right now because I'm talking still. But <laughs> at some point, do that. Like literally get out a piece of paper or your phone or however you do that and, and make a list of some good things about each one. Uh, and it will force you to focus on the good. It will force you to find something good. So... Once we have, you know, we've, we've given some of the problems and some of the frustrations to God, and we've made a list of good things to work on, what's next? Let's see what Paul says in the next verse, starting in verse 9 there. He says, whatever you learned, whatever you received, or you heard from me, or you've seen in me, put it into practice. So take what you're learning, take what the Lord is telling you right now, and put it into practice. And then practice. And then practice. And even when you don't see results in your relationship, continue to practice. Keep up this practice of focusing yourself on the good. Because think about this. The filter that you have that you see the world through right now 
took you years, some of you many, many, many years, to have that filter develop. So it's going to take more than just a couple of Sunday morning sermons to get that filter adjusted. It's going to take a while for you to keep focusing yourself in on something good in your family relationships before there's a real improvement there. Now, I, I'm a big believer in this, that if you want to believe something, you've got to say it out loud. That's, that's kind of something I believe. So if you keep repeating it to yourself in your head, that's good, that's helpful. But when you say it out loud, you give real life to that thought. When you, so if you see something, say something. Um, not like that, but you know what I mean. If you see something good, then say something good. Don't just think about it. But tell the person, I see something good in you. I appreciate this about you. Or you can tell another person in your family what you like about that person because that not only solidifies it for you, but it also shares the goodness with another person. So you could tell your, your wife, you know what I've noticed about our son recently? He's been doing really great with this. Um, now you're, you're reminding yourself, but you're also reminding somebody else. If you really could, you can get a two-for-one. You can tell your kids what you like about your spouse within earshot of your spouse. And there you go. You get double credit for that one. Life hack there. And I want to remind you of the very last thing Paul said in this verse is, the God of peace will be with you. If what I'm preaching this morning sounds too good to be true, it sounds like that would probably be great for people who do it, but it's not going to work for me. I want to encourage you, the God of peace will be with you. Even if you forget to focus on good things and you slip back into negative mindsets, God will be with you. Even if it takes lots and lots of practicing and it, it's slow going, God will be with you. I want to challenge you, if you're a father and you're concerned about the way your, your family is going, God is with you. If you're a mom and you're worried about the way your kids are growing up, and you're trying to invest in their life, lives, and it, you're not seeing the progress you want, I want to challenge you that God is with you. You are not alone in the, the, your family situation, in the difficulties and in the struggles. God is with you. So Paul challenged his readers to put into practice what they had learned. In a different New Testament letter, uh, another one of the writer, church writers wrote a letter called uh, James wrote this letter to the church, and in James' letter, he encouraged the church to be doers of the word, not just hearers, meaning when you hear it, do something, don't just listen. Uh, he said that someone who hears the word but doesn't do it is like somebody who looks in a mirror and then walks away and forgets what he looks like. So I like to visualize this like a guy who's he's going to a, a party, he's going to like a, a dinner party or something like that, and he stops in the bathroom real quick, and he looks in the mirror, and he sees that he has food on his face. And he goes, oh, no, that's no good. And then he walks out of the bathroom and right into the dinner party. It's pretty ridiculous, right? Like, why would you see it? Do something about it. But I think that James is challenging us. Like, if something's laid on your heart this morning, like, yeah, I want to change the way I think about my family. I want to change the way that our, our family culture is. I want to change the way that I talk about my spouse or my kids. If you're feeling that on your heart right now, do something about it. Don't just notice the problem and say, yeah, that's a problem. Put it into practice. Here's my advice. Start by doing small things. Start by doing small things because small things 
can make a big difference in your life. So that might just mean when you make a list, find one good thing you want to focus on, make yourself a note, stick it on your dashboard, stick it on the mirror, stick it somewhere where you're going to see it. Maybe write a note to somebody in your family. I like this about you. I appreciate this. Thanks for doing this. One quick little note. Send a text message to your dad. Hey, thanks for this. Call your mom. Say, hey, I appreciate this about you. One little thing here or there can make a big difference. So my challenge in, in this morning's message was really, really simple, which is find something good to focus on. So I want to leave you with that challenge, just find something good to focus on. It sounds easy, um, but I have to ask, are you going to do that? Are you actually going to make the list I talked about? Are you actually going to, to um, write down some good things about people in your family? And are you actually going to say something to them about that? Are you actually going to act on that? I believe that's part of the word that we're being challenged with this morning, so I encourage you to do that. I'll close with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this, um, the way that you're speaking to us about our families. I pray that you would help us, give us grace and strength this week as we walk that out, and we pray for your favor upon our families. In your name we pray, amen. 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 Thanks, guys. Have a blessed week.